G'day, welcome to Stat Stuffers. As always, I'm your host, Ramiz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dylan. How are you? I'm good, Ramiz. How are you? I'm going good. I'm going well. Yeah, yeah. So we've had a pretty quiet week. Actually, I was going to say big week, but I feel like this week was kind of quiet now that I think about it. Like, yeah, it sort of was just a bit of another week of the season, a bit of ho-hum. Yeah, just a week. I mean, there was obviously some very big news, so... You know, let's not dawdle too much and let's get into some of this really big news. Um, so, Carmelo Anthony uh, passes Oscar Robertson to uh, move up to 12th all-time in the NBA all-time scoring list. I mean, like, I think this is a really... I feel like people forget how great Melo actually was. And I feel like... I don't know. Is he, how is his legacy going to be remembered? Considering he is almost certainly going to crack into the top ten. Yeah, I, I don't know what his legacy is. He's definitely a fan favorite at the moment, and I don't think that's wavered throughout his career much. Um, but yeah, he hasn't really done anything impactful, I guess. Like sort of in like a winning sort of way or an awards sort of way. He hasn't won any major awards. He hasn't won a championship or never made, made the a finals. All NBA first yeah. team. He's never made a first team. I'm pretty sure we talked about that a few weeks ago. I'm pretty sure he was always Whoa. the second team because he was always behind, you know, LeBron, Dirk, Kevin Garnett, uh, Kevin Durant. Even um, I'm pretty sure he never made a first team. Oh wow, that's crazy! I didn't realize that. I mean, I can but check uh, that. now that you say it, that makes sense. I yeah, checking it now. That's crazy. Um, well, yeah, that like even. You know, stuff like that. It's just sort of, he's always been a fan favorite. He's always been elite, obviously, offensively, but he's never sort of been, he's never been the top, top tier, yeah. I guess. Four, third team, you know, two second teams. Yeah, wow. And, you know, obviously, we missed arguably Miller's prime when he was on the Nuggets. Um, those Western Conference Finals Nuggets teams, or team maybe. I think it was only yeah, once. only one. Yeah, he he made two conference finals once with the Nuggets, once with the Knicks. The Knicks did, wait, did the Knicks make the conference finals? No, I don't think they did. Okay, right, right. But yeah, yes. So um, wide conference finals, not much else to his career really, but just buckets. Man, just buckets. got buckets. Man, just got buckets, and he's been on some tough teams, you know. Whereas he's he's been wasted with the Knicks a little bit there while he was still there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, um, I don't know what his legacy is going to be, but it's definitely going to be around buckets. Yeah, I think I was looking the other day. I think he could potentially finish as high as like eighth or ninth, which I think, I don't know, it feels weird seeing him that high just because like I think of him as a guy who, you know, obviously scored a lot, but was never in that top tier. But like top 10 all-time scoring, you can't argue against that. Yeah, I think he was in top tier scoring throughout his career. He just wasn't sort of the impactful winning player. That like the guys like LeBron or any of those yeah first team forwards uh, were, but um, yeah I mean I feel like yeah seeing him at eighth is crazy to think about potentially uh, yeah, even he's... in the top ten. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Stay mellow. I don't know. He's a he's very just... he's a very slim possibility of getting to top ten this year. He's scored three hundred twenty three points so far this year. He needs about six hundred to break it to tenth. Um, so unlikely, but possible. And if not this season, like a few games into next season, like 10 games into next season, he'll break into the top 10. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he comes back um, for next season um, and what sort of 
you know, Wait, how do you think good retirement's on the table? Uh, I mean, he's been good so far this year. I don't, I'm not saying he's washed and needs to retire by any means, but I don't know. He seems to have diverse interests outside of basketball, and he's you know he's obviously getting older. So I think it's on the table. I don't know if it's likely, but I think it's it's a possibility for him. I feel like he has another like two years in him. I mean, honestly, part of me thinks he could just go the Vince Carter route a little bit and just be an old guy who can kind of just grab a few points for you, and you still want him around because people just yeah, like him. I can see that for sure as well, especially if he you know keeps getting better as a shooter, outside shooter, like he has been, uh, especially with Portland. So, there, yeah, there's real potential for him to play another, I don't know, two, three years maybe. But um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it off the table that he walks away this year and pursues other interests, but I could definitely see him sticking around. Yeah, what's his contract like? Um, one year? It is one year, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I, I didn't even think about that, yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine it'd be one years for the rest of his career. Uh, but I don't know. I like him at Portland at the moment. He's getting buckets off the bench. He's had a few big performances uh, so far this season. So I'll, I'd like to see him stick around there. I think he's found a great third home um, yeah. after the Nuggets and Knicks. I mean, yeah, if you're <laughs> ignoring the Rockets and Thunder. Which we are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I liked him on the I liked him on the Thunder. Um, Rockets. Was... Oh, you're about you're about the only one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, a record maybe on like the different a different side of the spectrum. Uh, LeBron James finally overtook uh Carbalone as the no- as like number one all time in most turnovers. So yeah, LeBron now has that record, and that is gonna grow for a while. I wonder. I I don't know. I wonder who's gonna take that record off him eventually. It's going to be a hard one to beat because um, he's, he's not slowing down. He's going to have the ball for the rest of his career, um, especially if he keeps transitioning into the playmaker he is. Like, that's just part of the game as being a lead ball handler is making turnovers. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, this isn't some sort of indictment on LeBron's career or anything. You know, <laughs> no, I don't think this I don't think this takes him a step back from the GOAT conversation. But um, no, yeah, but just LeBron to... haters will use it against him. They'll, oh, they'll, sure. use, any, they'll use anything. <laughs> That's true, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I guess there's another thing that he's number one at now. Um, Russell Westbrook is actually only eight turnovers away from number 10 all time. I could see him getting that in a single game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, right now, the people that are closest to him are Russell Westbrook at 11th, Dwight Howard at 23rd. So Dwight Howard won't take it. Uh, James Harden at 26th, very much a possibility, just because... There's not a lot in, um, the, yeah, there's not a lot in, like, 26 to, like, even, like, up to 8 or 9. There's not much difference. James Harden could finish very, very high this season. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely a candidate for taking over LeBron. Um, I don't know if he'll have the mileage. Like, you said 23rd to 8th is a lot, but what's, like, what's 8 to 1, is it? Also another, is it a big step between those guys? Another 600. So, for James Harden, that's two years. Um. Oh wow! <laughs> hey, maybe it's maybe it's a lot closer than I thought. Um, James Harden yeah, will could... likely finish this season at like seventeen from twenty six. Yeah, yeah. In two years, I could definitely see Harden catching up. So maybe. Yeah, he. I mean, yeah. There's a good chance. Enough just staring at my screen, but there's a good chance he'll break into the top ten by the end of next season, or like a little bit after that. Um, so yeah, it could be. James I wonder Harden. if he's saved. 
Yeah, I wonder if he saved himself a bit by being on the nets now. Uh, he's not going to have the ball as much. There's maybe easier passes to make in that offense. So maybe he's, you know, prolonged his his reign as all-time turnover. <laughs> he's averaging the same amount of turnover, so. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> 4.3 to 4.2 um, from Houston uh, to Brooklyn. Ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> I forgot he averaged 5.7 um, that year. He averaged 11 assists as well. 5.7. That's crazy. Oh. That's kind of rough. <laughs> I mean, it's still a good like, assist to turnover ratio. It's still like a two to one, but geez. Is two to one good? Like, I two thought like. Decent. Is that decent? Okay. It's I'm like not sure cap- what like the league average is. I know it's like probably one to one ish for the league, but I thought like elite playmakers were like closer to three to one. I know Chris Paul's like that. Is he? I mean, I, three to one is like elite elite. I think two to one is fine. Um, okay. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well. That's an interesting record for LeBron to hold. Where's, where's Michael Jordan there, actually? Um, nowhere near the top. Actually, where is he? <laughs> 33. Hey, that's why that's what Jordan's the goat, baby. He's below mellow. <laughs> yeah, man. He looked after the rock. He just... I don't know. It's those hands. You can't yeah. lose a ball when you can those grip it like that. Big, yeah. big hands, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um, now, other news here. We've seen... Actually, we'll talk about all our all-star news in one go. So we're, we're also hearing uh, some trade news uh, from the Hawks. So do you want to tell us about this one? Yeah, so I think the last couple of days it's come out that the Hawks are potentially interested in shopping Collins. Um, I'd imagine this would be a scenario where if the right deal came across their desk, they wouldn't be reluctant to move on from John Collins, who uh, has been there for a while now. It's been a really exciting uh, young prospect in his fourth or fifth season, maybe maybe sixth season. I'm not sure. I think it's like but, um, fourth, yeah. Yeah, but still, you know, obviously a valuable young piece that um, has a lot of potential. Um, but as we've talked about with the Hawks a fair bit, they've got a pretty crowded front court at the moment between Gallo, Collins, uh, they drafted a Kongwu, Clint Capella. Yeah, um, they've got a lot of guys to play. DeAndre Hunter plays a could play, you know potentially be their starting power forward going forward. So um, it, it, it really is uh, crowded. So I, I'm not entirely surprised that they'd be looking to move him, but also he's probably the best prospect out of all those guys. So why would you move him? But yeah, I've, I've heard that value. he could potentially be on the move. Yeah, I mean, you'd move him because of his value, really. Like he could get you someone legitimately good. Like he could, John Collins is the kind of piece you would throw into like a trade for a legitimate star. I mean, if you want to just completely say goodbye to defense, trade John Collins for Bradley Beal, you know? That is the start of something. Yeah, he is that sort of caliber player. He's not Ben Simmons' caliber where you could almost one-for-one swap him. Like, you yeah. don't have to put in picks and stuff like that, but he's he's definitely a foundational piece for a big trade. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get many better players than John Collins and that kind of a deal. So, yeah, I I think... Yeah, it's it's interesting that they're shopping him. I I really would have thought that Capella would be the one they move. Um, mm. But, you know, there's been a lot of reports that he's kind of unhappy. Trey Young has been kind of unhappy. I don't know. I don't know if they have any kind of beef or rivalry between them, but maybe there is something there, and they, they're clearly sticking with Trey Young, which I think is the right decision um, if you had to pick between, between the two. But, yeah, it is, it, it's interesting to see a guy like that on the market where, I don't know, I thought a year ago he's damn near untouchable. Yeah, I thought it'd be part of this like <clears throat> Hawks foundation. I think he's just like the perfect pick and roll partner 
with Collins, but you're right, I have heard stuff that, you know, Collins doesn't exactly love playing with Trey. They're sort of just amicable teammates on the court, you know, they don't, apparently Collins doesn't mesh with Trey, at least he thinks so. So, um, yeah, I mean, there is, you know, that's probably the main reason why out of all those guys, he'd be the one getting moved. But um, I don't know, I'm assuming that they're confident that any of the other guys behind Collins in that front court rotation have just as much potential as him or, you know, at least give them a reason to move on from him, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't move him if they didn't believe in Okongu and they didn't believe in Capella. Um, Gallo has been interesting, but we will talk about... I think we're talking about the Hawks today. Yeah, we are. Um, so yeah. we will talk about that a little bit more later on. Um, now, uh, there's also been the G League bubble starting up. So, Dylan, do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about that? Because I haven't been following it. <laughs> yeah, so this is day three or four of the G League bubble, I think. Uh, they're playing 18 games before they move into playoffs, I'm pretty sure. Um, the main thing I wanted to talk about is the G League Ignite team, which is where they've got five young prospects on that team that are, you know, bypass college, bypass going pro elsewhere. And the first year that they went straight to the G League as prospects for the NBA draft. And um, okay with Jared Jack. Yeah, they've got a bunch of veterans on that team. Jared so, Jack. Shout Jared Jack. And he's actually been, I actually, I love the way that the G League's done this. Um, I watched uh, Ignite play the 905 Raptors today before we recorded this. And it's really good seeing, you know, obviously the young guys get the ball a fair bit and they, you know, they're under professional coaching and stuff. So they're a bit more league ready, it seems like. And um, they have, but they have a bunch of veterans around them. So they're not forced to, you know, play the whole game. Um, as young guys, you know, they've got veterans around them to take the ball out of their hands sometimes and, you know, lead them when, you know, they make mess up and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's really good to watch. And it's really, I think, potentially a real way forward for a lot of young prospects. Were you going to say uh, who the vets are on that team? Uh, Jared Jack, uh, Amir Johnson's on that team, who, shout Ooh, out Amir Johnson. Um, shout out. Uh, who else is on there? So a bunch of like fringe NBA guys, some of them older, some of them who just aren't quite good enough to get, you know, make the league, but are still really, really quality guys. Um, and I think it's just like the professional development through this system is really important for young guys. And we could see a lot of uh, young prospects be league ready through this. Yeah. Um, I feel like the G League should really move forward with this idea and potentially make a couple of teams like this where, you know, right now they've only got five prospects. I feel like they should move it up to maybe 15 and spread them across three teams or something like that. And because um, I feel like this is a really, really interesting and potentially really helpful way to get young guys straight into the NBA system. And so is this like them... a G League initiative? Or is it just something that happened? No, this is like a G League initiative. So they purposely picked five high-level prospects. They weren't just taking anyone. Um, And they're getting paid half a million, I think, for the season. Yeah. And obviously, COVID threw this out of whack a little bit. But um, so far, what they've done is they've been in NBA facilities and trained with, you know, their G League uh, teams. Um, And it's just sort of about developing them in a professional context straight away. Um, And you've got guys like Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, 
uh, Deshaun Nix, who had a great game today against the Raptors. Um, uh, who was it? Isaiah Todd and Kai Soto, uh, who hasn't been in the bubble, but I think he's about to join them because he was potentially playing for the Philippines uh, national team. All right, I'm back. All good. What was I saying? I was going through the guys. That's right. Um, so, obviously, there's a lot of interesting prospects in here. I think their development through this G League system uh, is going to be really important and really interesting to see. Yeah, I, I guess that is kind of interesting. Like, does it? Do you think it undermines anything about like the other teams at all? Just because, like, I know a lot of guys really want to kind of you know, make the G League and then follow it up by, you know, trying to get into the NBA. This feels like, it almost feels like it's a bit of a, like, spit in the face of those guys because it's like, these are our special guys. These are our special guys who are all putting on the same team together. Well, that's why I think it's important that they're on a different team, honestly, because I feel like you set aside these teams for the prospects to play against the pros and then you leave the, you know, the normal teams, I guess, to... You know, obviously get these guys to grind and work and um, potentially earn an NBA spot. You know, because these, these, te- uh, these Ignite prospects aren't coming in through free agency. They're coming in through the draft. So it's a bit of a different process compared to the rest of the G League guys. And this, this current setup for the Ignite team is a bit different from how it was originally planned. Um, obviously with COVID and stuff, uh, they weren't actually supposed to take part in regular G G League competition. They were only supposed to play a few exhibition games uh, throughout the season and mostly just work on developing uh, their skills. Right. I mean, I do like the fact that they're actually part of the competition, but yeah, it does feel a little bit weird. So, they were drafted by the G League? No, so G League had five uh, contracts, essentially. They set aside a limited spot for high-level prospects, um, and I'm not sure if it was through application or if the G League just reached out to five guys that they wanted. But um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like a draft for this team to pick five guys. It was that the G League team picked five guys that they thought would fit the system, or you know, just high level prospects that they thought would benefit from being in a professional setting. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's more well, or less poaching it from the NCAA. Okay, well, I mean, that sounds cool still. Um, I, yeah. Maybe I should give that a watch. So, uh, what else is happening in the G League bubble so far? Uh, um, a few, you know, sort of uh, draft picks uh, from this year and previous years have shown up. Nico Mannion from this year's draft uh, yeah. has been showing up pretty pretty early uh, in the first couple games. Um, who else is there been? Uh, Miles Powell for the Knicks who, you know, was like a four-year uh, college guy. Um, he's been putting up some big numbers so far. So yeah, there's a few interesting guys to watch. I don't follow the G League all that closely. More so just, you know, sort of the fringe NBA guys that go down there to develop. Uh, Pokashevsky is playing for the Thunders G oh, League team. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's some interesting guys to see how they go in the G League rather than, you know, obviously, the NBA. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool then. Um, now... Uh, other piece of news here, Malik Beasley uh, has been sentenced uh, for his offence of, I believe, threatening someone Thre- with a gun? Threatening a, f- a family with an assault rifle? With an it? assault rifle, yeah. So, and he will serve a 120-day sentence after the season. 
Uh, look, I mean, I'm not going to comment on the legality of it, but I do like the fact that he's not being taken out of the season. Like, look, Guy is young, rich, and made some bad decisions. Don't take away his livelihood for it. So at least he gets to play out the season, which I like. Um, it's not going to help his reputation, uh, really, but as far as things go, I guess this is probably one of the better outcomes. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, for him, at least. Um, yeah, and 120 days is sort of no joke either. And, you know, obviously he's going to be fairly well looked after compared to a lot of other prisoners, I'd say, but even still, um, 120 days in prison is 120 days in prison. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I'm glad that he didn't get nothing, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to comment on the legality yeah. of this. All right, yeah. uh, let's get to some of our more fun stuff here with uh, the All-Star game. So we're potentially going to be seeing a dunk contest and maybe a three-point contest. Do we? I, I know I saw a dunk contest was on the table. I don't know if I saw a three-point contest was. Uh, I haven't seen anything about three three-point contest, no. Right. I think I heard uh, that a dunk contest was potentially on the table as like halftime entertainment for the game itself. I don't know how they do it. I doubt it would be in person. Uh, maybe it would just be like a record your dunk clips before and then, you know, put together kind of a highlight reel and then someone picks the winner or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it would be cool to see a dunk contest as long as they're not bringing even more people into the arena unnecessarily. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, although the scary part is that your idea sounds like a potential idea, but it also sounds awful. Like, <laughs> I don't want to watch guys pre-recorded dunks at halftime. And then that is very fair. I would generally pick a winner, yeah. Um, I don't know, it's just not going to be the same with no fans there. Yeah. I kind of just want to see, like, the, like, the guys in the All-Star game at halftime just go out there and throw around some dunks for a bit. That would be fun. Like, I mean, we finally I, got the bronze like, dunk contest. Yeah, legit. Like, I just want it to be, like, a super chill, <laughs> like, all the guys go out there and do the coolest dunk they can do. Because, like, there's some dunkers on, potentially yeah, on those Jokic? teams, you know? Jokic? Yeah, skinny Jokic throwing down <laughs> some sick stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah there'll be some stuff to watch. I feel, like, I feel like in in order to keep it as COVID safe as possible, just, like, the guys that are there, if you want to go out at halftime and do some cool stuff for the fans to see at home, then go for it. Have them do everything. Make make them do a three-point contest. Make them do a skill yeah, challenge. Sure. <laughs> I would I'm sure love they'd to all see, love that. I would love to see LeBron in all of those events, though. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Especially the skills challenge, actually. I feel like, I don't know, he feels like it would be he would be unstoppable. But the shot might yeah. get to him. The sh- that final shot might get to him a little bit. I don't know, the in-rhythm pull-up coming down the middle of the court. I feel like True. he could bang that yeah. in first try. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, and speaking of the All-Star game, we also got our second All-Star returns. Not a whole lot of difference. None of the guys who are probably going to be the starters have changed all that much. The only really major change is now LeBron is once again the leading vote-getter. So 4.37 million uh, to Kevin Durant's 4.23 million. So if this keeps up, LeBron will probably be team captain once again for what probably like the seventh or eighth straight year. If yeah. Something like that, that. sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Nothing else has really changed all that much. Anthony Davis is very close to Kawhi Leonard. There are hundred forty thousand votes between them, um, so he could potentially take uh, the third starting spot with LeBron and Jokic. They seem to be pretty much set. Um, the Easters, the Eastern front court is definitely Kevin Durant, definitely Giannis, definitely Joel Embiid, and that's right. Like I have no issues with that. Yeah. Um, 
Demi Lillard, 400,000 behind Luka Doncic. Might close it, probably not. Um, so it'll probably be Stefan Luka. And then uh, in the East, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant might challenge, but like, sorry, not Kevin Durant. Uh, James Harden might challenge Kyrie Irving, but even then, that seems unlikely. Uh, he's 300,000 behind. So nothing major changed. Yeah, I mean, James Harden getting closer is interesting because obviously it's not just the fan vote that decides this. Um, I think the interesting one is Dame, uh, Dame and Luca. Like, if Dame keeps the gap close and then the media votes for Dame, who you know, their, their team's having a better season and Dame's still been really impressive, we could see that switch around. Um, I didn't realize Anthony Davis was that close either. That'd be interesting to see him start over Kawhi, who I think is more deserving, but... um. Yeah, I don't see him. I don't see Anthony Davis getting the media vote. He might get the player vote, but even then, I'm unsure. Yeah, I don't know. Do, are guys scared of Kawhi still? Like, I feel like there was a bit there where guys were like, "Yo, Kawhi's the dude," and then I don't know. It seems a bit quiet. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was that uh, that second round loss last year. Everyone's mm. like, "Okay, Kawhi's human." Yeah. Uh, also, I just haven't heard anything about the Clippers at all this season, to be honest, which is probably a good thing. You know, I feel like the me. only person I've heard talk about the Clippers is us. <laughs> yeah, actual. Um, and I, I'll put my hand up. I haven't watched a single Clippers game this season, at least one that I can remember. So I kind of forget they're there sometimes. Um, but anyway, you know, they're good still. Um, I feel like, yeah, anyway, I feel like Kawhi's more deserving. But yeah, there's yeah. some interesting races going on. Yeah, in terms of other interesting things, I mean, Clay Thompson is now 8th in the West as opposed to 10th. <laughs> oh, okay. Alex Caruso I mean, Yeah, 10th. I mean... Yeah, <laughs> the, the West, the bottom of the Western guards, kind of a joke. Like John Moran's barely played, and he's fifth. Um, weird, very weird. Fred VanVleet <laughs> has broken into the top ten. Um, in terms of Eastern Conference guards, he's the only Raptor on this list anywhere. Yeah, no Pascal's. Um, that playoffs definitely hurt him. Yeah, that bubble. Um, he's also not had a great season so far. Yeah, yeah, true. But, you know, he did start last year. It's very interesting to see him fall off. But I think that's one thing with a lot of these guys. Uh, guys who got their first All-Star spot last year really have to prove it this year. And you're seeing it a lot. Like, you know, Ben Simmons, Demarcus Sabonis, Bear by Debo, uh, Brendan Ingram, Pascal Siakam. I think are the five. Or oh, Jason Tatum as well. But it, those six, I don't think all six are going to make the All-Star team again. In fact, I'm, I'm thinking maybe like three of them will. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to our predictions very soon. But, uh... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I feel like there's going to be a lot of first-year guys drop out uh, this this All-Star. Yeah, I don't think we're getting too many new first-year guys either. I don't know where all these guys are coming from. <laughs> yeah, it feels like older guys are having better seasons or something, or just like more guys from the same team uh, yeah. are getting in on it. So, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, with that, do we want to get to our All-Star picks? Let's do it. All right, so we'll start in the West here, and let's just go through the ones that we have in common, and we might discuss them a little bit. So uh, we both have uh, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, Demi Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Paul George, Anthony Davis, and Rudy Gobert. We do differ on our last two, but we'll get to them in a second. Um, I'm kind of interested as to why you have Gobert here. I wonder if it's the same reason I do. Um. I, I don't know. It's just like the Jazz are obviously the best team in the league right now. I mean, record-wise, at least. They're just blowing through the league. They beat the Heat prior to us recording this. Uh, that's seven in a row and 11 of their last 12. No. What were they? they were an 11-game win streak. Like, 
eighteen of their last nineteen, I think. Something they're like on that, right yeah. now. Uh, something crazy. They're twenty one and five or twenty two and five now. Um, I don't know. I just and like he's a big piece of that, obviously. So I just I feel like he's deserving. Yeah, he's been there before, top, hasn't he? Last year was his first year yeah, as well, I believe. Year. Yeah. Yeah. So all those top teams really are. I think those top teams are all going to get two: LeBron, AD, um, Kawhi, Paul George, and then Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy Gobert. One interesting thing here is you actually have Dame as an all-star starter now, while I still have Luca. What? I believe you had Luca last week, did you? Or last time uh, we I, this? I think we did, but I don't know. Luca's. I guess he's turned it on a bit. I don't know. I just chucked Dame in there. For why not? I feel like the media might give it to him. Obviously, Luca's probably putting up better box score stats, but I feel like Dame's having a better season overall. Um, I don't know. I just sort of threw it to Dame. It doesn't really. I'm not convinced either way that it's definitely Dame or definitely Luca starting. So the thing is, since it's fifty percent fan vote, twenty five media, twenty five player, unless the media or players vote Dame in first above Steph. Uh, he can't get it. He he just won't. Uh, assuming Luca is third for both of those guys, for both of those things, because I think players, uh, I think fans break the tie, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, right, okay. Well then, yeah, it'll be Luca then. But yeah. yeah, that's a prediction more than it is a pick. I mean, I I put Luca in just because I think he's gonna be the one to make it. I'd rather Dame start. I'd much rather Dame start actually with Curry. That'd be really cool. That'd be fun to see for sure. Yeah, that is assuming they're doing West and East, which I'm not sure. Oh, no, they'd probably be doing Captain The draft, so. yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be cool as well, but yeah. Yeah. Um, now, where we differ a little bit is uh, in our wildcard spots. So, you and I have different Suns players here. I have Devin Booker, and you have Chris Paul. So, why Chris Paul? Um, so, I was, I'll, I'll be honest, I was influenced a little bit by Zach Lowe. I listened to his podcast and his predictions. Um. Not on all my picks, but on on Chris Paul over Booker specifically. Um, you know, Booker's putting up better counting stats, I guess, kind of, at least in the scoring. But Chris Paul's close or beating him in pretty much everything else. He's a bit more efficient, and his his advanced stats are better than Booker's. And um, I don't know, I feel like he's probably been the better player of the two. You know, Booker's definitely had big games and hit big shots, but so has Chris Paul. Um I my last pick, like obviously my son's pick, came down to either of these two players. But um, I don't know. I wouldn't be mad at either of them being in. But I went, I went Chris Paul. See, you said he has better efficiency, but Devin Book is actually shooting better from the field and from three. Um, okay, Chris but Paul, not that better efficiency. But he's got Chris better. Paul is Chris Paul's destroying him from the line, though. Uh, Chris Paul yeah. is shooting like ninety-seven from the line, whereas um, Devin Booker is shooting eighty-two. Um, yeah, but yeah, is uh, it, I, is the advanced I, stats then? That's fair. I mean, I ultimately went with Devin Booker just because I thought, look, fun scoring. He, I feel like he has earned his spot back. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the guy deserves it. Like, Chris Paul's, he, Chris Paul's had enough All-Star appearances, I think. Um, yeah, fair. Like, had he not made it last year, I feel like he wouldn't even really be in the conversation this year. Oh, I don't know. I, I had him in the conversation sort of either way, you know. Um, I feel like he's been... Des- he's deserving of an All-Star spot, whether or not he'll get it. Yeah. Um, I could def- I could definitely, definitely, definitely see a world where Booker gets it and not Chris Paul. Yeah. I got us to see a world where they both make it over the other, other guys we have here. I highly doubt it. And as we'll talk about in our study that will be coming up hopefully next week, um, it's unlikely that they'll get two. Uh, there's a lo- Wins have a lot to do with the number of All-Stars a team gets. Um, and speaking of that, 
I'm interested. I'm very interested by your final pick. Uh, well, yeah. Speaking of wins, my Conley, baby. I mean, let's just make it happen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> enough it, is yeah. enough. <laughs> I mean, if there's you a know, year only, for it, if there's a year yeah. for it, and like, you know, he's cooled off a little bit, but like to start the season, he was the he was the Jazz's best player. He was unreal to start the season, like the first couple games. Um, well, more than a couple, but you know, but you know, obviously he's come a bit down to earth a little bit. Um, I think he's missed some games too. Uh, I think he's out at the moment, which is, you know, hurting his sort of all-star pick, but I don't know. I feel like he's very deserving. Um, and he's on, you know, record wise by far the best team in the league. Um, and I just want to see him get one, you know, I don't want him to go down in history as the best the player best to never player. make an all-star. Yeah. So let's get Conley there. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, Okay, so my final pick is actually Demar Rosen, which I think is very interesting. I might some people might find very interesting. I honestly didn't even really consider Conley that much. He honestly probably would be my first injury replacement, but I was also strongly considering Brandon Ingram um, as my final mm. pick in there as well. I mean, yes, the Jazz are a great team. Yes, they deserve three All Stars, but I just don't know if they deserve three All Stars at the expense of the Spurs getting zero All Stars or the Suns potentially getting zero All Stars. I think that's pushing it. And that's yeah. Wins is literally the only thing that's kept me here, and it's not that Conley doesn't deserve it. I just think Demar Rosa deserves it a little bit more. He's having a quietly very good season. We talked about this last week. He's like actually just having a very efficient season. He's leading the Spurs as, like, their only 20-point scorer. And, like, I know 20 points doesn't sound amazing, but, you know, the Spurs are a playoff team, and he's playing really, really well. I feel like you just have to reward him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I, thought, I, I sort of stepped away from rewarding teams a little bit um, this season, and we'll see, you'll definitely see that when we come East time. But, um yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I was thinking about DeRozan. I also had, you know, obviously Booker, who I left off in the mix, and um, Jared Fox as well. Brendan Ingram and Zion sort of, I don't know, they almost cancelled each other out for me. Um, if I had to pick one of the Pelicans, I'd pick Ingram. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. Fox, Fox got close, you know. I think, the, I think the Kings are better than the Pelicans right now. Yeah, they are. Um, and he's having a great season. But um, I don't know. I just sort of wanted to reward the Jazz with maybe what will end up being their greatest achievement this season. (laughs) Yeah, Conley getting his uh, first All-Star appearance, yeah. Yeah. Um, I could see it, I could see it. Like I said, I think Conley's my first injury replacement if uh, that would have happened. Is that over Chris Paul? Yes, over Chris Paul. And over Fox and all those guys? I think so, yeah. I I, Again, Mm. it comes down to record. And I I feel like injury replacement is just kind of like a thing where it's like, just give it to him. You know, yeah, just <laughs> injury replacement is definitely the all right. Let's just see who like what feels good. You know, yeah, what feels good. And <laughs> like, Conley would I feel, feel like good. that's yeah, yeah. I feel like that's why um almost why Booker got it last year. You know, obviously he was deserving, uh, but he was also like a come on, let's give this dude something. The Suns are chronically bad. Let's you know give him a break. Um, I feel like that was part of the narrative of getting Booker to his first All Star game. Uh, as the injury replacement, but yeah, um, I'm, try- I'm trying to look at the 2015 All Star game that had a bunch of injury replacements. I'm seeing mm. what's happening there. Yeah, so um, right, I forgot how many injury replacements were here. Like, 
Uh, Demi Lillard, obviously a guy that got snubbed a lot, was one of the picks. Dirk, old guy, got one of the picks. Boogie, this was actually his first All-Star selection as an injury replacement. Um, and Cole Corver. Wasn't well. Corver? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, wasn't Corver one? Yeah. Yeah, Cole Corver was the last one. <laughs> <laughs> that, was that, was year... that was weird. They well, won 60. Was that the... Year, yeah, yeah. Um, was that also the last year of pure fan voting? Uh, yes, it was, actually. Like... Yes, it was. Yeah, because then we had the Zaza experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of guys out West. I, I could definitely see... I think Damar is also deserving. Like he's like we talked about um, last week, he's having a great season. And the Spurs are sixth right now or something in the in the West. Um, so it does feel, you know, a bit mean to leave a spur off. But um, I don't know. I, I, I left him off. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, fair enough. I, I, yeah. I mean, we're not going to agree on that, I don't think. I, I'm fine with Conley. I'd like to see it. But I think DeRosa deserves it a bit more. Um, but yeah. All right, shall we move on to the East? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Right, so I'm looking at your picks for the first time now here, and you've been saying to me the last couple of days, uh, I'm going to be very mad about one of your picks, and I'm seeing Bradley Beals here, and I was very scared that he was the guy you were going to leave off. Oh, um, I would never. I would never. <laughs> I wouldn't right, dare. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. All right, so okay. what... What we have in common here is we both have Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid as our starting five, as does anyone who knows basketball, pretty much. Um, yep. uh, our reserve guards are James Harden, Jalen Brown, obviously. Our reserve forwards, uh, we agree here on Jason Tatum and Chris Milton. We disagree on our last one. And then one of our wildcard spots, uh, which can be either a guard or a forward, for those who don't know, um, is Trey Young. And we both agree on him as well. So I'm... One thing I want to follow on here is uh, Chris Middleton. I've seen a few people say he's not an all-star. Why are they stupid? <laughs> Why don't people know? <laughs> he's averaging like 26 and 6. Like Is he? On, it's nuts. He's having an awesome season. Uh, he's not averaging that. No way. He is. He's averaging 26 and 6 with a steal. No, shooting... 20.6. Oh, what, what do you think? Oh, of, wait, oh, no, 26. 20, 26 rebounds, 6 assists. I thought you meant 26 yeah. points. Oh, okay. no, he's not putting out 26 points. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, anyway. But he's shooting 45% from three as well. I know. Uh, like 51 I, from the field, yeah. He's almost 90% from the free throw line. Like, he's actually going to have 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, and yeah, 50, 40, 90. How do you leave him off? On the second best, uh, on the sec, as the second best player on... Currently the second best team in the East, but potentially the best team uh, in just a couple of weeks. Like, how how is anyone leaving him off? <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's pretty much a lock for me. Um, yeah. Um, now, we also both have Trey Young here as one of our wildcard spots. So, why didn't you have him as one of your guard spots? Well, because... Harden and Brown are there. Um, pretty yeah. much, they're on. They're on better teams. They might not be having better statistic, like raw statistical seasons, but they're probably having better seasons overall than Young. But also, this isn't a slight to Trey Young. Like, they they were the seventh seed for ages. They're still within striking distance of that. And the Hawks are much improved. You know, they're not winning or a winning record, but they're still improved. But um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. He's, he's definitely deserving. He's putting up was putting up like twenty seven points or something like that. Twenty seven nine and a half assists. Yeah, four four rebounds, nine and a half assists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not the best efficiency though. No. Nah. You would think that would have improved by now in his third season. Forty two percent from the field, thirty seven from three is fine, and eighty nine from the line is great. But forty two from the field is low. Like even for a young guard, that's low once you're in your third year. Yeah, but I think that's sort of. You know, you'd expect that from Trey from his build and stuff like that. And he's not he's not the quickest guard in the world. Um yeah, I mean I think you take it though, as the yep. Hawks. And um yeah, even still they're a they're a better team than they were last year and so and he made it last year, so did he start last year? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so bit of a step back like we've seen from a couple of first year guys, but um still deserving. Yeah. All right. And where we differ here is I, I okay. I see where you think I might have been annoyed. Um, yeah. I have Demarcus Sabonis and Ben Simmons as my final two spots. So one forward, one wild card, and you have Julius Randle and Zach Levine. Do you want to tell me yeah, why? I'm pretty devoted to this cause of getting Julius Randle to the All Star game. Oh, I was, I was very close to putting him on there. It was actually between the, him and Simmons for me. Yeah, the man deserves it. Like the Knicks are back. As in, they're interesting. Um, <laughs> they're not the best team in the world. They're, they're currently seventh at the moment uh, in the East. Um, I don't know. And he's just been, he's hes awesome. He's doing everything for them. He's averaging 20, 11 and a half and six assists, something like that. I mean, like he's not giving it to you, you know, defensively in numbers, but he's hes improved defensively as well. Um, I don't know. He's a, he's a beast. I, I couldn't leave him off. Yeah, but you left Sabonis off, who's having kind of similar numbers on a better team. Like, I know he's not; they're not significantly better, but the Pacers do have a winning record, while the Knicks do not. And that was kind of my, you know, main distinction. It's like, Sabonis, A, he started off the season amazingly. Like, he was, like, up there right with the top of the, uh, like, the top guys. Early. He's he's come back down to earth a little bit, but I think he's still all-star, all-NBA kind of level. Um, yeah, I, look... Randall was so, so close for me, but it was it was the fact that they have a losing record still. If the Knicks were 500 or a little bit better, I might have put him over Ben Simmons. Like, I would have been bordering on that. Um, but yeah, I, I I can't take Sabonis out here. I think the Pacers really, really deserve at least one All-Star, and I think it has to be Sabonis because he's actually been great the entire season, whereas everyone else has kind of been in and out. Um, Malcolm Brogdon's also had a very good season, but I think Sabonis has been slightly better. I don't know. Like, Sabonis has also been up and down, though. Like, he hasn't been um he hasn't been amazing the last couple of weeks. It doesn't feel like. Um, and I feel like I feel like overall Randall's been more consistent. You're right. At the start of the season, Sabonis was like in legit MVP talks for like the first week and a bit. Um, but I feel like Randall was also maybe not if MVP talks at least very 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 high up there. And he's sort of he's sort of maintained that for the whole season. I feel like. Um, yeah, the thing is, you're right, the record is a big deal. Um, I don't know, I felt like the Pacers players took away from each other too much for me. Like, it, it, like, it was so close yeah. between Sabonis and Brogdon that I ended up giving neither of them a spot. Um, yeah, this is a very biased All-Star pick, I'll admit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're kind, um, you're kind of talking me into it, just because, like, when I watch the Knicks, everything runs through Julius Randle, and, like, if they're even decent, that's good for him. Oh, you're talking me into it. Um, and like, 
Randall's putting up better numbers than Sabonis in, in every stat except for probably the defensive stats, I think. Yeah, I okay, think he's I grabbing mean, more boards than points and assists. That's definitely assists. Okay, I mean, you're going to have to talk me out of Ben Simmons if, if, in order to talk me into Randall because you can't talk me out of Sabonis, I don't think. Um, reason I have Ben Simmons is just because the Sixers are the one seed. They need two All-Stars. It's just it's just a thing that happens. Like They need two All-Stars. Obviously, Ben Simmons has had a down year in terms of scoring, but his rebounds are still there. His assists are definitely still there. And like his defensive impact, his just impact on the game overall is still there. Um, and I feel like... I don't know, it, you can't not give him an all-star spot, especially since he was an all-star last year. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, I had Levine instead, and I said I was married to getting Randall in there. Over the last couple of days, I've been even more married to getting Levine in there. I, like, that dude's a beast. He just, he does everything. Um, and if it wasn't Levine, it would be Simmons, I'd say. Oh, would it be Sabonis? It, it probably would have been Sabonis. Um, but still, like... I think Levine is putting up like crazy, like 26, 5 and 5, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, and like the Bulls are terrible. They're, they're in the conversation in the East. Uh, I mean, I don't know. This was a bit the of a guilty pleasure what? pick for making the play in, you know? Okay. They're not that far. They're not that far. They're not that okay. far out of the eighth seed. They're only a game and a half behind the eighth seed. So. Yeah, okay, true. Uh, All right. Well, the seventh seed. There, so oh, okay. yeah, you know, this feels like a last year Bradley Beal snub um, with Zach Levine, except Zach Levine's not. I think it. <laughs> I think it's definitely on the cards. <laughs> yeah, that Levine gets snubbed here, which is is heartbreaking for me. Um, but yeah, I just picked him. I, I don't know. This isn't my prediction per se. It's more of who I wanted the All Star game slash prediction, and I want Levine the All Star game. Yeah. All right, I mean, you've you've convinced me of one thing. I would rather have Randall than Simmons in there. If I want to watch an All-Star game, I'd much, much, much rather see Julius Randall. Uh, ben Simmons is just not that fun when it comes to All-Star. Uh, whereas Julius Randall, yeah. like having that many point forwards and like big man playmakers out there would just be so much fun. Like you've already got Jokic and probably Sabonis out there. Having Randall out there as well would just be so much fun, especially if somehow they ended up on the same team in that draft. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel like I'd, I feel like Simmons is more fun at All Star. He's way more athletic. He gets up and down the court heaps. He does sick passes. He can do sick dunks. I don't yes. know. I feel like oh. I feel like Randall's more of the like stand in the one of the elbows and create. I don't know if that's All Star material. Like, uh, everything I've, I've seen from Randall this season has just been him being the point guard, which is yeah. I don't know. Just really fun to see. It is. It is fun to see. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Simmons. I don't know something, something like something about his season just isn't giving me great vibes. So to be honest, I don't know. I, I feel like Harris is also high up in that conversation. If we have to have two sixes, yeah, yeah, Harris uh, has been great. I mean, yeah, we can talk about this again in the study because I have reasons why I don't have Harris there. Uh, but yeah, mm. it's very, very tight, very, very tight. I will say that much. Yeah. Um. Now, that's pretty much it for our All-Star picks. Uh, any really, really notable snubs that, you know, you're surprised neither of us had? Uh, there's no Heat player out East. Um, and there's also no Raptors player out East, I think. Mm, Raptors, I'm not too concerned about. Okay. That doesn't... Yeah, I don't feel like... It, Is that your you know, own bias talking? <laughs> no, but, like, who... Which Raptor would you pick? Yeah, none of them, but I, I, I'm kind of the same way with the Heat right now. Yeah, that's exactly why I didn't pick them. <laughs> yeah. um, 
A, they've pissed me off. Like, as a fan, they've pissed me off. And so I just, you know, I just don't want to pick one out of, like, a love spite, you know. I love the Heat, but, like, come on. But it's like, um, and even, also, like, who do you pick even? Like, Jimmy Butler has not played enough games. and then Nearly enough basically... games. And Bam's, Bam's having a good season. He's like 20, 11, and 5, I think. Really? Um, I think so. That but is like, the quietest was... 20 and 11 I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. But, like, even still, I'm like, uh, I don't know. You could have been better. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I left it. I left it. I, I was conscious about it the entire time i was making peaks i was like mm, no i'm not gonna put a hate person on yeah i mean i kind of had to I do feel- that with the raptors a little bit i was like which guy which guy none of them just none yeah if you had to pick a raptor who would you pick i honestly couldn't pick one like i fred van fleet's like the leading scorer but like he's not the all-star of that team and kyle's no. having like a decent season but he's not having an all-star season he's averaging like 17 points and like six assists or something or seven in assists. Fitness, that is how he's made the all-star team a few times um, true but his teams have also been way better yeah uh, i don't know pascal siakam's really disappointed me carl is the even, guy i didn't even i didn't even check him what are his stats like that's how off siakam i am this season what are his stats he could like be averaging 15 i wouldn't like, know i think it's like 18 and something here let me check it's okay no it's 27 and four and a half so it's like his numbers are a little bit better than last season at least in terms of assists efficiency is a bit better than last season but it's just the raptors being bad he's shooting awfully from three though only 30 percent um i'd probably go larry just because he's the only one who hasn't disappointed me like i expected larry to be this in fact he's actually surprised me that he isn't he doesn't look as old as i thought he would but like is like if i had to pick one is Fred disappointing you? I mean, I just feel like I don't think about him at all. Okay, okay, like, yeah, no, that's fair. Between Larry and Pascal, Larry hasn't disappointed me, and I don't see Fred as an also yet. Yeah. I don't know. It's That's what I talked about, you know, when we were out East, about not rewarding winning as much. Like, we don't have a Hornets player. There's six right now at East. Yes, like, but they're still is losing an record, which is what's getting to me. It is crazy, hey? Uh, six down is losing in the East. That's rough. Yeah. I mean, like... And, Four down is five hundred essentially. Yeah, the Celtics are five hundred. Yeah, like, just they're above, thirteen yeah. and twelve. That's Crazy. equivalent and, uh, to the eight seed of the West, basically fourteen and thirteen Warriors. And then out, out west, uh, eight seed down is yeah fourteen losing. thirteen. Yeah, oh, I so mean nine seed, nine seed is losing. Yeah. Um, whereas you know you're down to losing on, on the six seed in the East. Yeah, it just feels like I don't know. I, I could reward winning, but I can't reward seeding because seeding doesn't matter right now because you can still be in the playoffs mm. with a losing record. Like, like uh, th- what, three-eighths of the teams are. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why uh, that's the main reason I sort of steered away from it as much. Like, I feel like all these teams are sort of not that fast separated. Like, there's one win between the Pacers and the Knicks right now. Like, am I going to... Picks a bonus over Randall for that? No, probably not. Okay, that's fair. That is mm. fair. All right. Um, yeah, the, no other really big all-star snubs Vooch for me. That... also. I heard no. some. No. I heard a lot of Vooch talk. He's having no. a good season. Yeah, but like... Put, like 23 and 11 ma- or something? Look at the Magic's record. <laughs> yeah, they're bad. Like they they're, bad. They're, they're, like, not, they're not in the conversation. They're just bad. <laughs> but we did just talk about... You know, obviously, you know, wins not mattering that much. At least to me, they didn't. I had I had Vooch in consideration. Me. They do, to me, it, at least. 
Yeah, career high 24, uh, 11 and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, a steal, shooting 43% from three or nearly three makes a game. I mean, look, if his team was close to five, if his team was kind of in the mix there, yeah, probably. But no. <laughs> and we're, we are documented magic haters as well, so yes. this isn't a surprise. Yeah, it's not surprising that they're the last team we're going to be talking about of all 30 teams in this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, it's interesting that neither of the Pelicans made it either. Yeah, again, losing for me. Just that's that mm. was really my deciding factor for a lot of this stuff. Um why why Brandon Ingram over Zion? Because their numbers are very similar. Um, I just feel like he's been more consistent for them throughout the season and probably agree, a yeah. bit more crucial to what they do. Like he handles the ball so much more. He takes he takes the big shots for them, so yeah. Yeah, Zion just kind of begs it and you know, he he's obviously very good at getting buckets but I don't know I feel like Brendan Ingram really runs that offense but it's just part of it yeah Shea was also interesting I thought about Shea for a hot minute yeah again losing record I like mm, I didn't yeah. really consider it but yeah no he's had a very good season um yeah, yeah 22 but, like, and a half six and a half I, five and a half crazy. yeah but if I was gonna have Shea I'd have De'Aaron Fox above him and I'd probably have Chris Paul above him and I'd probably have Mike Conley above him so yeah he's got a way to go yeah <laughs> All right, um, so that's it for All-Stars, unless anything else came to mind? No, I think that's it. All right, let's get to one big question. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the final six teams that we have not yet spoken about. Um, Obviously, the Magic are being left to last. Um, So let's get started (laughs) quickly with a team we do like in the Hawks. Uh, At least I like the Hawks. Do you like the Hawks? I'm indifferent to the Hawks. I haven't paid much attention to them. Okay. Um, Dylan, when, we what's your to, big... when we get to the playoffs, yeah, I'll pay attention. What's your big question? Uh, so I was a bit diplomatic in the news section, but right here I'm going to ask, why are they trading John Collins? Why? Like, he's good, <laughs> and he's very good, and he fits well, and sure, he may not like playing next to Trey Young, but they've been amicable, amicable so far. And, like, his stats haven't really taken a bump, even though he doesn't like playing him, playing with him. And, like, why wouldn't you trade, like, one of a Kongwu or Capella? Why Collins? Value? <laughs> so I mean, like, like I said in the new section, value, yeah. really. What's a Kongwu worth, really? What's He's Clint a, Capella worth? He does have the most value, but, like, I don't know what you get back is so, you know, team shifting or team altering in a good way that it's worth giving up on Collins. Like, what do you think a realistic Collins package is in return? For, like, just Collins? Well, say it's Collins and... Well, it's, I, I, honestly, just Collins, yeah. I think it, I don't think they give up a pick. To, unless it's Bradley Beal, which I don't think they're in the market for. And the Wizards, apparently... Well, apparently Beal doesn't want to go anywhere. I can't imagine they get Beal, so... And I don't know... Are there any other stars out there? Like, I'd imagine you'd be trading Collins for a Collins-level player just at a different position. Yeah, I mean, my mind would go to, like, a small forward or maybe a two-guard. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head other than Bradley Beal, obviously, that who, like, who would potentially be on the market. I mean, as a Nuggets fan, part of me does think... Actually, no, I wouldn't trade Michael Boyd Jr. for John Collins. I I like the idea of John Collins and Jokic, though. Uh, But no, I wouldn't trade Michael Boyd Jr., so, yeah, I don't really have any ideas. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like it's it's more trouble than it's worth to not just move Capella. Like, 
or even a Kongwu, like surely someone, a team that needs a set. I feel like you could get a decent return. You know, you could get a nice guard back from the Hornets if you wanted one of Rozier or Graham um, for Capella because that, you know, the Hornets need a center. Um, the thing with the Kongwu is he's only playing 11 minutes per game. He's not the cause of their issue, I don't think. It really is. I think it has to be one of Capella or um, Collins. Like, but I don't think they have an issue. <laughs> the seventh, the, this is the best Hawks team we've seen since, you know, P- Paul Millsap was there. I guess like, in terms of ceiling. In, in terms of ceiling, to me, then. Well, I feel like their best ceiling is with Collins on the team. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I see him as a yeah. guy that can be traded for a player that is better than him with a pick attached, like, with a pick attached to Collins. Who those guys I, yeah. are. I don't know. I was going to say, there's no one available, though. Like, apart from Beal, I don't know any other big names. Maybe Oladipo. But yeah. they've got Christian Wood there. Like, are you going to pair Wood and Collins? They do pretty much exactly the same thing. And it doesn't make a... I mean, it makes sense for the Hawks to a degree, but Chris Dunn kind of plays that Oladipo role a little bit. I don't think they're worried about replacing Chris Dunn's minutes. Okay, that's fair. With Oladipo. <laughs> um, I, I mean... That does sound all right now that I just came up with that, but still, like, I don't know. I feel like Collins is worth keeping in. Could you get, you know, could you get Oladipo with a Kongwu and, you know, trade? Sure. Like, um, sorry, salary. I mean, probably. Maybe. A Kongwu, a pick and salary for Oladipo. I'd strongly think about that if I was the Rockets. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not particularly high on a Kongwu just because I haven't watched a whole lot of him, so I don't really know. Um. But yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know what the answer to their question is really. Yeah, I, I I'm just like overall for this season. Sure, they've had a fine season. They're in the playoffs, or at least they're close to it. Um, really, they've fallen a bit. They're tenth, but you know they're tied for ninth, and they're close by, just like every other team is in the East for sixth. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I've I I I just don't understand why Collins. Collins is the last person of of those front court players that I'd trade. Yeah, I mean, my mind is going to a different front court player in Gallo. I think Gallo's actually holding them back a bit um, in his health, mostly. Because, look, I mean, he hasn't been healthy this season, but I mean, I think you kind of expected that, but the salary is kind of scary. It's like, he, it feels like he would have to be traded. Like, he's the salary in the Okongwu trade, but, you know, would the Rockets accept Gallo? Because that's a bad contract for a guy who, you know, is very injury prone. And so far this season, He's just been kind of meh. Like, he's been fine, but that's it. He's not worth $20 million this season. Like, even healthy, he's not worth $20 million this season because he's only averaging, like, 12 points. His advanced stats, he's got a zero VORP, which is just average. He's got a .95 widgets per 48, which is just a little bit below average even. Um, like, he's fine. Yeah, he's, aver- but he's not even averaging 10 points right now. Isn't like, he? And I think no, he's like averaging 12. 9.7. He's okay. at 9.7, according to basketball reference anyway. Right. Um, and his effective field goal percentage is putrid. It's 49%. Um, like, it's sort of... Uh, yeah, we talk, I think we talked about the risk of this Gallo deal when it happened. Um, how, obviously, he's an older player, and this is a bigger deal, like a three-year deal. Isn't it? Is it a three-year deal? Yeah, three Pretty sure. Yeah, like... Um, I don't know, that's a lot of money to be playing a 32-year-old, whoever old he is. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, obviously I sort see of backfired. Him. It's backfired earlier this season. Earlier yeah. this season, yeah. I I see him holding them back. Like they have to get off that contract just because you know we're we're talking about their full potential with Joe Collins. They're not reaching their full potential while Gallo is on this roster. I think every other guy can at least contribute. I mean, how has Rondo played this season? Has Rondo even played this season? <laughs> uh, apparently he has, but you could have fooled me by saying he hasn't. He's just okay. I haven't heard much I haven't of, heard a about single him thing about Rondo. Um, He's played yeah. fourteen games. About 15 minutes a game. Okay, I mean, it feels like a lot of the other guys are at least having an impact. Like, some of the guys that were a little bit questionable, like maybe Rondo, maybe Chris Dunn a bit, have had some kind of an impact. But Gallo has just done nothing for them. He's just been average, which is which would be fine if he was making it like 8 mil, but not 20. And, and like, they drafted a, a person that does everything Gallo does in DeAndre Hunter, you know, minus the sort of playmaking that Gallo can give you. Um, and he's having an awesome soft, sophomore season. Um, he's missed t- he's missing time at the moment, but through 18 games, he's averaging 17 points, uh, five boards, good efficiency, 58% effective field goal percentage, uh, making nearly two threes a game. So like, and a good defensive player. So like, even from the jump, it was sort of weird with Gallo. I think we were both up on it at the time. Um, I actually talked about how, as he ages, how his contract would actually kind of still be worth it because you need those sort of middle to big contracts to make trades in the NBA. But I did yeah. not realize that he'd be, be- this bad this quick. Uh, yeah, which it's like it, which turns from, it doesn't make it worth it anymore. Yeah, it turns from a contract that you could throw in uh, to make something work to a contract that you have to like pay someone to take off you uh, if you really yeah, want to get it. Yeah, it's a burden now. Just yeah. give us a thunder. Um, wait, Geller was already yeah. on the Thunder. Um, They'll take it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So I'm, I'm more, con- I'm not concerned about their front court really. I, it feels weird that they're trying to trade John Collins. I agree. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about Gallo, which I guess is part of their front court. But like, I'm not concerned about their real front court core uh, just yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm so su- I'm surprised that Collins, like obviously that is on the market. What? Well, I'm surprised that they're discussing any sort of big moves in their front court. That isn't, you know, some clearing space for the younger guys. Like, I'd, I'd see them moving Gallo. I feel like we should, you know, we should have a Gallo for Al Horford swap. Get Horford back to the Hawks and Gallo back to the Thunder. I feel like that'd <laughs> be guess. worth it. You know, that'd be worth it. But um, I was thinking more yeah, of a Gallo for Paul Millsap swap. <laughs> but no, that wouldn't be worth it for the Nuggets. Do you want Gallo back on the Nuggets? I do want Gallo back eventually. Not this version of Gallo, not twenty million dollars. <laughs> but like, I do want Gallo yeah. back eventually. Like, like well, last year yeah. of his career, three million dollar deal kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that'd be that'd be something. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully this isn't the like this isn't Gallo's last good season or last season. Um, I mean, if know, it is, that's like, actually that's better for money. the Hawks because if you retire, well, I mean, I don't mean retire, but I mean like last. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully last year wasn't his last decent season. So yeah, I'm kind of yeah. afraid that it was. Um, but mm. yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully he can pick it back up. You know, he when he when he is able to stay healthy, he's great. Yeah, Just questionable sure. whether he will be, uh, and whether age will actually catch up to him. Um, all right. Anything else you want to say on the Hawks? No, I don't think so. All right, let's get to the Pistons here. And look, my big question for the Pistons: it's just fun. I mean, like. The Pistons and the Giants, Slayers, can they only beat good teams? <laughs> They're 6-11 against teams that are above 500. They're 1-7 against teams that are below 500. What? <laughs> that is such a what stat. Like, how? 
<laughs> I mean, that's actually. Do they just not show up? Like, also, yeah. You uh, you have somewhere in here that the um sorry the Pistons have the second hardest schedule or the hardest schedule so far this season. I think so. Yeah. Like, what happens when they play the bad teams? Are they just gonna like lose out the rest of the season? Like, <laughs> I guess. The only wins they're having against the hard teams. And if if this is as good as it gets for the Pistons, dear God, help them in the second half of the season. Yeah. It's like, it's weird. It's very, very weird for the Pistons right now. Like, yes, so they've had strange. the toughest schedule, and maybe that's been good for them. Like But they're also seven and nineteen. <laughs> but like that's better than I expected them to be, honestly. Really? I I was like in my head like this team is going to be horrendous. They're gonna not win against any good teams, and they're gonna like maybe win thirty percent of their games against bad teams. In fact, they're doing worse than that against the bad teams. But they're they've won like thirty five percent of their games against actually good teams, usually great teams. So yeah, I have no idea. Didn't they beat the Nets twice or something? I believe so. Yeah. 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 I mean, like they're not I even thought, lost yeah. in the East. I mean. That's more of a knock on the pi- oh the Wizards than it is, you know, credit to the Pistons. But I was very who also had who the Wizards have also had good wins against good teams, yeah, <laughs> and lo- and lost to bad ones. I mean, I I think I had the Pistons as the 15th seed in our preseason prediction, but like I, did as I didn't well, think yeah. they'd be, I didn't think they'd be terrible, but like I, I thought they'd be better than this. But like they're terrible, but somehow not. Like, can they just like volunteer to play playoff teams for the rest of the season? Oh, that'd be great! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll... All, all the games that got postponed, the Pistons are just like, all right, we'll take it. Yeah, they'll just schedule swap with some other team that you yeah. know wants to make a rise in the standings. Yeah, and it'll benefit both of them. Yeah, just like, tra- hey, man, I'll trade you this game. Yeah, I'll I'll let you play the Timberwolves if you let me play the Nets. Okay, exactly. <laughs> and a future pick swap, a future yeah, yeah. Swap. They start throwing picks in to play good teams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, fuck yeah, let's get to the playoffs. Let's go. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's my big question. Can they only beat good teams? The answer so far, statistically, is yes. Um, yes. Almost almost factually. If they don't have that one factually. win, it would be legitimately yes. Who has um, that one win? I'm going to check that real quick. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My big question is, it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit less trivial. And so, who are they, slash, who are they building around, slash, what are they building towards? Um, the heat, the heat was the one team. By the way, um, oh, that's that hurts to hear. But yeah, yes. um, yeah. I mean, like, right now they don't have a real prospect to go forward with. Sadiq, <laughs> um, <laughs> true. Okay, I, I've spoken blasphemy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sadiq, please forgive me. No, I, I get but, it. Uh, I... Yeah, like, so you know, obviously, Killian Hayes was their draft. Their first draft pick this year they obviously took bay as well but um he's he's out for a couple more weeks with a hip injury um and like right now their best player is jeremy grant who's you know having a very very quality season um but is he is he your foundation for a franchise going forward like is he the guy you want to build your team around um no you know like he's a bit older (laughs) is it is it just good stats bad team for jeremy um I mean, he has and, he has proven that he could do more than he was doing last year. I think he is genuinely sure. better than he was last year, and like, I think he would still be 
putting up good stats on a good team if he's given the opportunity. But yeah, no, I, I do agree. I think his stats are a little bit inflated by being on the Pistons, yeah. Yeah, and like, I don't, yeah, it, to me, he's not your centerpiece that you're like, all right, if we're going to build a playoff team going forward, we start with Jeremy Grant, you know? And unfortunately, you know, Hayes didn't have a great start this season. I predicted that. I, you know, he's a rookie point guard that is going to have a lot on his shoulders. Um, it, and it was pretty, it played out like that before he got injured. But um, apart from that, like, there's Seiko Dumboyu, who's been very slow um, and hasn't really had a whole lot of opportunity. Blake Griffin is still around, which sort of stunts their ability to just throw out guys that they want to see uh, when you're still paying Blake Griffin the $30 million a year. Um, I don't know, Steve Bay, who we'll get to later, had a great week, but like, you know, he's probably not going to be your number one option on a championship team. Yeah. Uh, so it's just sort of. You know, maybe and you know, maybe the simple answer is maybe they don't have a guy on their roster right now that they're looking to build towards. Maybe that's what this season's for, is getting yeah, that guy in the draft. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um but even then, like I'm interested to know what the direction of this team is going forward. Like, are they gonna try and be a really modern team that shoots a lot of threes going forward, or are they gonna sort of I don't know what other I don't know what other sort of options there are, but like what direction going forward are they gonna have? Yeah, I mean, well, the pieces they have right now indicate that, no, they're probably not that kind of a team. Just like, you know, Blake Griffin, Mason Plumley, especially, kind of yeah. makes it so that's not possible. Um, one thing that uh, you said about Killian Hayes is he even has more pressure now because of the Derek Rose trade. I don't, I don't even know if we spoke about that yet. Um, yeah, like, Derek Rose back on the Knicks, great, cool, fun for the Knicks, but that's just more pressure on Killian Hayes now because he's now their kind of sole guard. Uh, they're, they're so guard there, yeah. So, I don't know, really. It's it's kind of like, I yeah, I agree. I don't know what direction they're going with. I think right now they're just building around Jeremy Grant. I just think they want to enjoy, you know, having Jeremy Grant uh, do what he's doing. But eventually, they're going to have to decide something else. But I think that's a problem for next season. Yeah, but the... Yeah, that it is. But like, like also, they haven't done a good job of setting themselves up for next season i don't think with all these weird contracts and stuff like that and um yeah actually we didn't talk about the derrick rose trade uh overall my thoughts great trade for the knicks uh for the pistons bit of a garbage return but hey you'll take i mean a, a protect, that's just the pistons, a second yeah. to dennis Smith jr yeah Wonderful, i mean yeah <laughs> yeah it's just, I mean, it's just the other drop a trade again yeah <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, at least they have another guard to throw out there and see if they can get something out of him in maybe. Smith. Maybe he I mean, can I don't believe turn his career but... around. No. Yeah, neither do I, but no, maybe. Um, but for the Knicks, A-plus quality, get a ball handler off the bench, uh, help run this offense a bit. Very good. Very good trade. Be nice. Uh, yes. But yeah, for the Pistons, not sure where they sort of go with this season or if they're even trying to go anywhere you know, with their players that they have, obviously they're not trying to make the playoffs, but like, is there, a, is there certain things they're looking for this season or are they literally just playing games? Uh, Cause they need to. I think they are literally just playing games. I think they're just having fun, letting Jeremy Grant do whatever he wants to do. You know, letting Blake Griffin just be old. And yeah, I think it's just, yeah. let's run with this. I mean, it's not, not entertaining to watch, especially when they're playing good teams. So just run with this, get some, maybe a little bit of fan buzz, get some of their young guys going a little bit, and then get some nice top draft picks, and hopefully be challenging for the playoffs in two, three years. 
Uh, we'll say five. Five? Really? Pistons. Right. Are, the Pistons aren't great at this whole team building thing. Uh, yeah, but they got Civic Bay. True. Okay. No, you've changed my mind. Yeah, next right. year. Great. No, <laughs> if they get Kane no. coming, if they get Kane Cunningham and Sadiq Bay playing well together, it's playoffs next year. That actually does sound fine. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think that's it on the Pistons. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Pelicans now. So what's your big question here? Uh, my big question is, what is the master plan for this roster? Like, in an ideal world, a reasonable ideal world, you know, this isn't fantasy land, what does the what does the, per- the perfect Pelicans roster look like? Because I can tell you now, it surely isn't this. Like, oh, no, no yeah. way. This is such a hodgepodge of a group that, like, they just unnecessarily threw together. Did they need to make a Stephen Adams trade in the offseason? No, Uh, no, they didn't. No, that wasn't. Did they do it for any sort of reason apart from having Stephen Adams? I don't think so. I feel like Um, there was a pick or some some money. There was something. There was a reason it happened. Okay. Yeah, Stephen Adams wasn't the prize, is what you're saying. I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, in that case. Still doesn't help. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, because like they've got two non-shooting guards and a giant center next to Zion. Like maybe the worst idea for a roster build around Zion, potentially. Yeah. It's up there, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's horrible. I said it going into the season that they're going to have a yeah. lot of spacing problems. And guess what? They do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're one of the worst three-point shooting well not shooting but one of the worst three-point making teams in the league there you go which i guess that still counts as shooting that's somewhere that's actually worse yeah <laughs> yeah um at least they're efficient at not making a lot um jj reddick yeah is you know he's obviously getting older like he's sort of the guy that you'd want around but he's coming off the bench like you're starting eric bledsoe and lonzo ball um you have obviously steven adams next to him you got Jackson Hayes, who you drafted with Zion, who's also not a great fit. Um, I don't know. It's just sort of like, and obviously the you know the the master plan would be have shooters spaced around Zion, have pick and roll with Ingram and Zion, maybe another lead ball handler, and then go from there. But like, they don't have a roadmap to making that happen either. Um, they're sort of you know a bit stuck. I mean, Bledsoe, I could see on the move. I don't know if a lot of teams want Adams' contract, um, especially because he signed an extension in the trade. Which is um, so weird as well. Yeah, it's just... I don't, I don't know. I, I like, obviously, their two main guys. I don't mind Lonzo. Kyra Lewis interests me. But oh, Josh Hart's decent as well. But, like, I don't know. I just sort of... How do they sort of get out of this weird roster that they've made? Yeah, I mean, the only guy I see being there long-term is, uh, along with Zion, is Brendan Ingram. And, like, I really yeah, don't see sure. anyone else being, like, an actual legitimate fit for them. I do like Lonzo. I, I I don't hate him being there, but, like, they need a really good two-guard next to him then if if they're going to run with Lonzo, mm-hmm. uh, Brendan Ingram, and um, Zion. And, like, and my question was just do they mo- need to move Steven Adams? Because I think that is their first priority. It's open up the center. It's open up the... That was a chess term right there. Um, it was <laughs> <laughs> open up the key. Open up the middle. Uh, again, chess term. Sorry. Um, I've, been playing, I've been playing a lot of Pull chess. the Sicilian Pelicans. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Pull the Sicilian. Um, actually, uh, yeah. 
No, okay, we're not going to chess. We're not going to chess. Enough chess talk. Okay. I don't know um, if the ceiling actually does what we're talking about. But I think anyway. the Queen's I think a gambit would, like the Queen's Gambit, doesn't matter. Um <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to chess stuffers. Yeah. Uh, like Stephen Adams is taking shots away from Zion a little bit. So Stephen Adams is taking the third highest mark of his career in terms of shots from inside. So like where his shots are coming from, the percentage of that, it's his third highest of his career. Which doesn't sound crazy, but Zion is down three percent from last year, which again doesn't sound that crazy, but like over a season that adds up, that builds up. It's showing that Zion is not taking the shots that he really, really wants to be taking. Um, yesterday there was a Pelicans Mavericks game. Zion just got inside and he was uh, he was ten for ten uh, in the first half, and they all came like right at the basket, and that's what you want. And with Steven Adams there, that becomes a lot harder. And so yeah, he, I mean, I to think... me, is the first one you have to move. Yeah, I think Zion the other day finished like 12 for 13 or something like that uh, on the game. Um, yeah, you're right. It's just so clogged down there. Like the sort of offense they're running is really strange to see um, in terms of making space for Zion to get inside. And then also accommodating Adams, who has a decent little inside touch, but obviously you'd rather give the ball to Zion. Um, yeah, I, for me... I. I, I guess Adams is the first piece to go. Maybe Bledsoe, but at least, you know, Bledsoe's a guard. Um, he's shooting it pretty well this, for this season, to be fair. Um, yeah, it's just a, such a weird fit. But the only problem is it's hard to find real centers that you could start that space it. Like, apart from Brook Lopez, there's none that really come to mind that space it like that, you know, like that are real three-point shooters like that. Can you think I mean, of any I guess others? you need to go for... Not a center, just a good rebounding forward who can also kind of shoot. Again, I can't really think of anyone, but so you'd 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 have I, Zion starting at center. I guess so, or maybe start, I think, or maybe take a forward and put him at center. I I feel like they shouldn't run a traditional center, even if they are a great shooter. Yeah, because I feel like putting Zion at center would be a catastrophe. Right now, he's so bad defensively; he has no idea what's going on at pretty much any point in time. And, like, putting him at the last line of defense for your defense is got to result in lots and lots of easy baskets at the paint, I think. And lots of fouls on Zion, too, as he gets to places late, stuff like that. Uh, even um, the Zeller brothers good shooters? <laughs> the Zeller brothers, wow. Uh, mate? N- no, I just mate, looked up both no? their stats. No, neither <laughs> of them are. No. I don't okay. know, I didn't mind, mind that Cody Zeller... <laughs> Could stretch the floor a little bit, but maybe not. Oh, uh, he could. Sh- can he shoot a little bit? He's, he's shooting, shooting them 19% at least. percent from three. Hey, okay. Well, never mind. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure like what the perfect lineup is, and that's what yeah, like that was my point as well. Like, if you are to get off Adams, what do you go with instead? Yeah, I is, think you know that's that's a tough question. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they could just run a five-man lineup of all guys who are like six, seven, six, eight. Um, yeah, you keep, you keep Lonzo I mean, there. You, you get a is, tall shooter guard. You is, get another forward. Is PJ Tucker down to play center again? I think. I Did think they put him next to Zion. I think. I think uh, you try. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't want to see it, but like, I think you try it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was decent for the Rockets until the playoffs, you know. But then again, they were going up against Anthony Davis, so you can't do much with that anyway. Yeah. No matter who you got there, so. maybe I don't know, maybe it is a key for success. Maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. Mm. 
All right. Uh, shall it, we move on? Yeah. I was just yep. going to say, it's a, it's a weird situation. They got they got foundational pieces there, but no real way to build up from that, I don't think. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on to the Thunder now. Um. Now, my big question here is, is Lou Dort just on track to be the best perimeter defender in the league? And is he already kind of knocking on the door a little bit? Just because, I don't know, I haven't watched a whole lot of the Thunder, but I've watched him against, like, Steph Curry. I've watched him against a couple of other elite perimeter players, and he he locks them down. He really does. I don't have a stat, but, like, he just <laughs> looks good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the playoffs last year, um, he was had big moments against James Harden where he made life difficult. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's... I think he's definitely on track to be the best perimeter defender in the league. He's on track, like, in terms of just all-around best perimeter defenders right now, he's in the conversation. Um, I don't know, but, like, obviously Kawhi is there and there's guys like that, but, you know, they might not be guys that give you give it to you on every single possession. It feels like Dort does it every single possession. Um, and especially in big moments, he just locks in, he uses those hands, he's a big, built dude, like, he can get physical with other guys and stop them drives and stuff like that. I mean, he's really like the perfect like ideal primitive defender. He's, yeah, he's quick around screens and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I feel like in the next year or two, he could he could be the best primitive defender in the league. Yeah, the effort he plays with just scares me. Like, I see a guard going up against him. I'm like, okay, this guard is just not scoring this time. Like, he's just not going to... They're not going to be able to get a really good pick and roll going just because he slides. He just slips around screens so well. Um, yeah, like, you're just not going to get anything, and I, I think that's really scary. Like, I don't know, he could, he could be a defensive player of the year kind of guy in a couple of years. Yeah, he's really physically imposing. Like, he's quick, and he's strong, and he's big, and he's just a sort of scary guy that you don't want matched up against you. Um, and, like, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I feel like we could see some defensive player of the year nods uh, in the future. Yeah. All right, what's your big question? My big question is, Is well, can Shea be the centerpiece of a future contender? Now, obviously, the Thunder aren't going to be contenders this season, but um, going forward, and obviously with all the draft picks they have and stuff like that, is is Shea their guy to be a championship contender, or do they view Shea as a piece? Because um, right now, Shea's having an unreal season. Like I said, he's averaging like 22.5, and 6.5 rebounds, and 5.5 and assists or something. And like in his first season as being the main guy on a team, we could very well see him put up better stats going forward in the future. But do the Thunder think he's good enough to be that? Like, can do they think if through the draft, if we if we draft focusing on Shea, can we come out on top of the league? To um, me, and- I don't think it matters, does it? Like, wh- what I think about that is like. He can be the number one guy or the number or the number two guy, but it doesn't really matter because no, but I feel like Shea could just play in any kind of system, really. Well, with all the draft picks the Thunder have, the mind the the mindset shifts depending on how you think of Shea. Because if you think Shea is the guy for, if he can be your number one guy, then you're looking to draft pieces around Shea. You know, like pieces that compliment Shea and put him in the best position to be your lead guy. But if you think Shea is, you know, potentially like your second or third guy on a championship team, then then especially early on with all of these picks, because uh, a lot of them look favorable for them right now, 
um, maybe you just go, all right, well, we'll take the best. We think we'll take our guy, you know, we'll take our one, our number one on a championship contender, and then we'll worry about Shea. So right. yeah, the mindset, the mindset changes depending on how they view Shea. Right now, I think I'd think he might not be a number one guy. He could be a second or third guy. But you're right; he fits in a lot of systems. So I feel like, like he, if you go in with the mindset of him being a number two guy, it'll just work out because he should just be able to yeah. fit in with that. Assuming you do end up getting a number one guy with one of your twenty draft picks or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like if he's if they view him as his number two or three guy. Um, Pretty much anyone they draft can work with him because he's so versatile. But maybe, you know, if Shea thinks he's the number one guy and if he thinks he's proven it, or maybe the other guy doesn't quite work out and then they move on from Shea, who actually turns out to be the better piece. I mean, personally, I think he'd be a number two or three guy. And I feel like he could play with a lot of other guys, uh, as we've seen already throughout his career. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there's, there's potential where he could be really, really, really good like as a number one guy. So I, I don't have a concrete answer for this, but it's something to take note of, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I personally do see him as a number two guy. I I wouldn't push him down to number three. I think he, like, in his second year, is, wait, is he in his second year or third year? Third year. Third year, right. In his third years, putting up these kinds of numbers, you'd imagine he's going to get a bit better. Maybe not heaps better, but like a bit better still. I think that's perfectly fine for a number two guy. Um, in terms of numbers, he's very versatile defensively, offensively. Um, he's he's a good playmaker. He's a very good rebounder. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's the kind of guy you want as your number two guy. And then your number three guy is kind of just like a guy who can sometimes catch fire and, you know, get you some shots. And then obviously you've got guys like Dort and other defensive specialists and other specialist kind of guys uh, filling out the rest of the lineup. So, yeah, I think... I think with most of their draft picks, they do try to kind of build around Shea, but I think a couple of them, they want to take a few big swings. Yeah, well, obviously, this year's this year's draft is a bit interesting because there's sort of a consensus number one in Cade Cunningham. I say sort of. I feel like he is the consensus number one already. Uh, we've seen, you know, in previous drafts, that can change over the draft process, but I think for right now, I would say he's a safe bet to pick to be the first overall pick and you know him and Shea do a lot of the same things so you know if if say the Thunder end up with the first pick and Cade Cunningham is still considered uh the consensus number one pick do they do they look to maybe trade down or do they just go with Cade and you know focus on Cade rather than Shea that's where I sort of see the where the viewpoint becomes interesting with this team yeah, I mean, I, I think that's counting your chickens before they hatch, though. That's assuming yeah. they get uh, Cade. I mean, look, I, I, I won't get into it too much. I don't really like Cade that much from what I've seen of him. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like they just take a couple of big swings, especially these next couple of years. And then, I mean, it's that's the thing. They've got so many draft picks that they can kind of do both. They can take some big swings. Yeah. They don't work out, but they can still get guys that fit around Shea. Um, and, you know, with your big swings, you take guys who will also kind of fit around Shea already. Like, with Shea being their number two. Yeah, that's fair. He's, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It does matter. All right. Let, let's move on to the Kings uh, on this one here. So, Dylan, what's your big question? 
Uh, my big question is, what happens if they make the playoffs? Hell freezes like, over. <laughs> they are. They do have the longest drought, don't they? Of any I think NBA so. Team. I think so. Maybe if maybe if a Wait, lot of so sports teams too, they're up there. Uh, the I Knicks have been. They, the Knicks were there in thirteen. That was their last appearance. Okay, I don't know what the kicks was. Um, but yeah, like, <laughs> it would it? be very very surprising. Do you think they have any sort of chance? Their last play for Pittsburgh was 2006, by the way. Of like, so where are they realistically? Where could they realistically end up? In the probably play-in? ninth, right? Ninth, in the play- yeah. tenth, ninth or tenth, depending on how the Mavericks sort of go with the rest of their season. I mean, like, um, I don't see the beating the Mavs, Warriors, Nuggets, Spurs, Blazers, Suns in a play-in kind of game, but yeah, they could surprise some people. I mean, actually, they're three and all against the Nuggets, so maybe they would beat the Nuggets. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, and uh, yeah, well, obviously that's the first part of it is in the moment, you know, obviously they made the playoffs. Hooray. That ends a bit of a streak, but now you've just taken yourself out of a decent pick and with no sort of real plus side to it happening. I mean, De'Aaron Fox looks good and you know Buddy Hill sucks. Yeah, so obviously if they make it this season, you know, great. Hurrah, they end the streak and, you know, get a little bit of playoff experience. But I don't know, does this sort of give them the false confidence going forward that this is the real roster that they need to build around? You know, oh, it would too with the Kings, wouldn't it? Oh, It would. <laughs> they'd, they'd lock themselves into this idea that, all right, well, we made the playoffs, it's only up from here. And when in my opinion, in reality, this team needs a bit of a shake-up to be a real, real contender in the West going forward. Yeah. Um, I, f- I feel like making the playoffs would only hurt them. Yes, I mean, I I disagree a little bit in that if they make the playoffs this year, it's actually legitimately good because I um my big question is this: the Kings is this finally the Kings year? The Kings are they're twelve and thirteen now, but they've had the second toughest schedule behind the Pistons, uh, as you were saying earlier. Like the fact that they're five hundred and have had the second toughest schedule means that when their schedule gets a little bit easier, maybe they are like a seventh seed kind of thing, and in which case. I don't know, I don't hate the idea of them talking themselves into locking into at least parts of the roster. You know, you don't want to lock yourself into Buddy Hill. You don't want to lock yourself into Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes is still in the Kings, right? Yeah. Okay, yes. And he will be for a couple of years. <laughs> okay, I mean, you don't want to lock yourself in more to them, but, like, you do know De'Aaron Fox is a guy that you keep going for. You do know a couple of these other young guys are like, all right, we can work with this. Now, I don't know, it gives them slightly more of an identity. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. But this is the Kings we're talking about, and they don't I have know. an idea of subtlety. I know. They swing for the fences or, you know. So I feel like if they make the playoffs, and even if they win a couple games, they, they'd they lock themselves into this pretty quickly. <laughs> As the Well, to be fair, though, this is a new front office. Vlade's um, gone. page has gone. Uh you know, some of those guys have made pretty terrible moves in the past. Um, so maybe it's a new leaf for the for the Kings and they won't do this to themselves. But I don't know. I feel like you've got two solid core pieces in Fox and Halliburton. And then the rest are expendable if yeah. something comes up that you like. But at right? least you know that Fox and Halliburton for sure. I mean, I feel like the Kings are the kind of like team that need a slap in the face to tell them, yes, these are the guys we should keep. 
but don't they already know that? Like, I Do feel they? like the entire, I feel like the entire basketball world knows that Halliburton and Fox are the two guys on that team. But I, I feel know, like the oh, making the playoffs. At times. <laughs> I feel like making the playoffs would only make them think that Heald and Bagley and Barnes are essential as well. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like a Valentine's Day analogy because it is Valentine's Day <laughs> where everyone is. It's like the Kings are just that clueless guy that need to legitimately be like, they just need to know. They it can't. They won't take hits. You know, you can't give me. Yeah. You just need to like flat out reject them. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> till they realize, oh, this isn't a great idea at all. Um, yeah. But then the other yeah. girl comes in and asks if they want to go out to their face, and then they get that too because she's been giving them hits all year. Yeah. <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For some reason I'm I'm concerned about the King's success. <laughs> as much as it as much as it is good to see that they're they're up there. I say they're up there. They're tenth in the West. They're not really up there, but still they're decent. I mean, yeah, it's the play it's the player that's done this to me. It's the play is making me believe in the Kings a little bit. <laughs> it's like, I was gonna say, how much how much value do you put in making the play in? Oh, like, little to none, but, like, part of me, you know, you can talk me into saying, oh, the Kings will make the playoffs just because they're in the 9 10 seed. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The The fact that I'm believing in the Kings says something. I don't know what, but it says something. It says something. <laughs> about the Kings or about you? <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's your big question about the Kings? Oh, I I already said it. It's like, is this the is this final of the Kings year? Um, to yeah. me, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm the Kings Valentine. Um, maybe. We'll, yeah. I think we just leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, and let's move on to our final dreaded team in the Magic. All thirty teams. You know, you can say whatever you want about us, but you can't say we don't talk about your favorite team. Um, Magic that fans. Is true. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't have a question. I have a comment. I mean, at least they're tanking now. And in response, I say, are they actually tanking or are they just too injured to be mediocre again? In response to that, does it matter? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think it does. But it also does because the mindset maybe hasn't changed. Yeah. I've I've had a lot of mindset talk on this episode, but... If the Magic come back next season, they're like, all right, we'll be injured. Now we're going to make the comeback. Here we go. Eight seed. You know, three yeah, last year We started off the season well. Three three games into the season, we were 3-0 or something. I don't know. Weren't they uh, one of the last undefeated teams in the league or something? I think so, yeah. I, like, they yeah, actually I mean, did start the season well. Yeah. <laughs> See? They're like, oh, and then we got injured. We lost faults. Exactly. We, you know, we should, we should have been the one seed, boys. Let's, let's fucking bring it back. And then... Yeah. They're 500 all over again. I mean, except for the fact that they're 0 and 7 against teams that are 500. Yeah, but Fultz hasn't been there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I hope. Either. I hope. I hope they get. I hope they get the number one pick. There you go. And then I'll. And then I'll be a Magic fan. Oh no! So no, get no, the no, no. One I over. don't. Wa- no. I want them to Actually, get. No. Like, I want them to get four. Four. I'm happy. I- with. Actually, yeah, I've changed my mind as you said that. <laughs> I don't want them to get one. Anything from two onwards, I'd be happy that they have. I don't want yeah. them to get one. They would squander one, and I don't want that. At least with four, it's like they kind of don't have a choice. It's like, oh, uh, we'll just take yeah. this guy. Yeah, except 
Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, they kind of get locked into a guard if they go much later, but anyway, uh, <laughs> which they already have enough of. But in saying that, they already have enough of every position on the team. So, you know, I don't yeah. know. I have little to say of the Magic. I haven't followed them at all. Is Fournier still on that team? Is he having a good season? They should trade I Fournier. Think so. I think so. You know, I, I like what you said there. Enough of every position on the team. I think they just have enough. That's it. The Magic are just like, enough. They're enough, right? And that's why yeah. they're the they're the eighth seed every year, or the last couple of years they've been the eighth seed. They're just enough. They're enough of a basketball team. Yes, they can sometimes play basketball. Like, 50% of the time, they can play basketball. Maybe not this and season, have, but that's because they're injured, you know? And they turn it off, like, on and off so much. Like, they have these weird stretches where they go, like, 16 and 3, I feel like. And then, like, they'll lose out the rest of the season and fall back down to the eighth seed. Yeah. Like, it's... It's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, the magic, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the magic. Nothing more to say. <laughs> I mean, it, can we make a promise that we won't talk about them again this season unless something legitimately happens? Um, unless, yeah. I, I mean, you've convinced me, Ramez, sure. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, really had to twist your leg on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of that. Let's get to our top three stats of the week. So I have a theme for this week, mostly because I did not actually do my stats this week. I was very busy um, and I, I did them all in one night. But um, people are saying the big man is back, uh, mostly because Joel Amin and Nikola Jokic have been playing exceptionally well and they're probably two of the three uh, current MVP candidates. Um, but I thought this week I would bring three stats to show you what other big men are doing in the league. So first stat here. Chris Boucher had 17 points and 16 rebounds in 24 and a half minutes against the Wizards on Thursday. I mean, this hasn't been a really rare feat in the last four years. Six other players, Abid, Sabonis, Gobert, Whiteside, Ursa Lillisova, shared out, and Ennis to have all done the same. Uh, but what's more impressive, though, is that before 2018, the only times that this was done was Dwight Howard in 2010, Kenneth Freed in 2012, Tim Duncan in 2013. Before them, it hadn't been done since 1980. So I get why people say the big man disappeared, because the big man kind of did disappear towards the end of the 2000s, especially, and the early 2010s. Like, we're just not seeing these great performances of guys putting up, like, really efficient, really high rebounding games in a few minutes. And this is the first one, uh, not the first one in a while, but this is just one of many in the last few years, which was the first few in uh, quite a while. That's so surprising that... No, surely that's got to be wrong. Shaq if you, didn't have so at least... If you, play, if you play more than 24 and a half minutes in that game, you right. don't qualify. Yeah. Okay, that makes so much more sense. I was yeah. like, what happened to the 90s? Did they just disappear? No, yeah. okay. That's well, why that's number three, because I don't know how to find, like, if they, <laughs> you know, when they hit that mark. When they hit that mark, yeah. Yeah. Um, shout out Ilyasova, but also shout out Kenneth Fareed. Remember that that dude got paid off a really good FIBA World Cup? Anyway, um, shout out Chris, Chris Boucher as well, because I did not realize he did this the other day. Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's weird how quickly some, like, how so many guys recently have done this so quickly. Yeah. I guess it's all, I guess it's the pace has picked up and the shots are you know, letting go, but like, I don't know. And it's weird Part to see it- that, like, Embiid didn't play more than the 24 minutes either. It might be, like, kind of a another shift in kind of attitude in terms of, like, resting guys more. It's like, oh, we're up big, let's rest our guy. 
Mm, true. All right, uh, let's get to my second favorite set of the week. So, Rudy Gobert had probably one of the purest, just big man games I've ever seen against the Pacers the other day. So, 16 points, 16 rebounds, three blocks, zero assists, and shot below 25% from the free throw line. Just as pure as it comes. This is the second time in his career he's done this, and there are only five other players who have done so. Andre Drummond has done it four times. Samuel Dalabert, shout out, in 05. Daniel Marshall in 04. Dale Ellis in 1997. And Herb Williams in 1986. Those are a list of names. Yes. yes. <laughs> shout out Samuel Dalabert, though. Shout out. <laughs> I don't even know how um, I know Samuel Dalabert. Like, I just know him for some reason. I'm pretty sure he retired before I became a fan. Yeah, yeah, he had some moments with the Sixers earlier in his career, and then yeah, yeah he sort of came apart. But um, I mean, this is a very this is a pure neutral big man stat. <laughs> like this is, you know, just exactly what is that how that would work? Would this be pure neutral? How do you mean? Like instead of like you know how there's like chaotic good and all oh, that sort of stuff. Oh, the alignment chart. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Like this is just the the center this, of big man yeah. stats. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm here for I'm here for the names as well. Excellent names. Yes, and you're going to be hearing a lot of big names in our next stats. So Mason Plumley had 14 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists, two steals, three blocks, and shot 70 percent from the field. In the Pistons' win over the Nets on Wednesday, this has been done 18 times in NBA history, which is quite a few. But I'm going to tell you all of the Hall of Famers who have done it: Kareem, Julius Irving, Charles Barkley, Hakeem Olajuwon, Vladdy Divac, Shaq, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. Every other guy was like usually like an All Star. I think the worst guy to have done it um, was like Chris Webber. <laughs> he was the so, worst. Oh my god! <laughs> so, at least in terms of the guys' idealist, I guess Dimash was probably the worst of of all the guys who have done it. Except now Plumley has done it, which is pretty cool. Shut up, Plumley! Shut up! Shut up! I didn't even realize this happened. Some of these stats are just like passing me by. I did not realize I mean, any of this. I don't happened. think a lot of people will pay attention to 14, 12, and seven. That's pretty impressive, though, right? From Mason Plumley, that'd raise my it's eyebrow. Decent, yeah. There's, there's seven assists with two steals and three blocks. I mean, that's impressive. Shut up, Mason Plumley. <laughs> Securing, yeah, the he made that contract worth it just on that game alone. Yeah. All right, let's get to your top three plus minus of the week. Did you do them? And so remains, I did not do them. <laughs> I did not have time. I apologize. That is fine. Let's not get to that, and let's move on to Baywatch. <laughs> All right, uh, so Sadiq Bey actually had a very good week this week. Uh, it's, it's say actually, screw plus minus. Let's just get to Baywatch because this shit is unreal. It's also probably good because we are running very long anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Sadiq Bey had 15 points, three rebounds, three rebounds, two assists, shot six for six from the field and three for three from three uh, in their 11-point win over the net, and he was a plus 10, uh, plus minus. So there's your first plus minus. Your second plus minus is a minus three. <laughs> In a 16-point loss to the Pacers, which is actually a good plus-minus there, like, considering a very big loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. 10 points, 3 rebounds, 3 for 6 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3. Uh, yeah, and a minus 3 in a 16-point loss. But the GOAT, 30-12, and 12, 
10 for 12 from the field, 7 for 7 from 3, which is the first time that's ever been done by a rookie, I'm pretty sure, uh, as a plus 7 in a 6-point win over the Celtics. So the giant killer Pistons beat the Celtics, and that was on the back of Sadiq Bay. Let's go, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the most threes made by a rookie in a game, too. Not just yes, the, the I... perfect 7 from 7, but also makes... Potentially, um, yeah, that would have surprised me. Yeah, I mean, the goat, Sadiq Bay. He's I he's out of his prediction. rookie slump. He's I love back. that I made this prediction because <laughs> it's actually <laughs> working. It is working. He's so like, man, he was in rhythm. He was in a zone against the Celtics. Yeah. He was like hitting everything. Like, obviously hitting everything. We had seven for seven, but like, just clean, oh, yeah, clean stroke. Yeah. Oh man. So, and in a close game, hitting big shots. I mean, Sadiq Bey, our guy, he's he's living up to his to our reputation of him already. Yes. The reputation that we started. <laughs> oh, this is great. Okay, hopefully he can keep it up <laughs> next week. Um, For sure. But yeah. All right, let's move on to our league class games. So, uh, like always, this is just three games. We each pick three games that we think are going to be interesting coming over the next week. Uh, my first game here is I have Blazers at Mavs on Monday the 15th. So, the day this podcast comes out. Uh, it's the Dame and Luca matchup, really. Um, you know, obviously a lot of talk about which one should be an all-star starter, which one's better. You know, uh, are they both top 10 players? You know, there's, there's debates about all this sort of stuff. And, yeah, we're going to maybe see some of that settled uh, on uh, on the day this episode comes out. Yeah, I mean, definitely treated for that. My first one is also on the day this episode comes out is Lakers at Nuggets. Um, this has, you know, not playoff ramifications, but what's the word? They were in the playoffs last year. Um, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, rematch. Yeah. Conference writers rematch. Rematch. Yes, rematch. Thank you. Um, yeah, conference rematch. Two very good games. Uh, teams, rather. Should be a good game. Yes. Yes, yes, hopefully. Hopefully better than the last game, because the Nuggets ended up getting blown out that game. Uh, despite having a good lead at half, that was a very weird game. Um, yes, uh, my next game here is Cavs at Warriors on Tuesday the 16th. Why? Because the Warriors have struggled a little bit with big man play. You know, there's been talks about them, you know, running small ball, and they're struggling to defend big man. The Cavs got big men. They, they got Andrew <laughs> Drummond. They got Jared Allen. They got Joel McGee. They're going to struggle. Oh, JaVel McGee revenge game even. Who knows? Oh, <laughs> Wait, yes. no. Wait, yeah, no. He was, on the Lake. he was on the Lakers last year. I, for some reason, my head was like, mm, Warriors last year. Yes. No, but he's obviously he's been on the Warriors. Won two titles with the Warriors. Two titles? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, he's back. He's back to show that he's still got it, you know. Um, yeah. That should, that should actually be a decent game. Plus, you know, Sexland against Curry. Interesting backcourt matchup. Good fun. Yeah. Uh, on Thursday... Uh, the 18th, I've got Bulls at Hornets. And uh, this is just sort of like a fun... Both these teams have a pretty decent offense. A uh, lot of firepower out of both these teams. Obviously, with Zach Levine, Kobe White's turned it on a bit too. Um, and you know, obviously, LaMelo Ball lighting up the league right now as he's gotten the starting position. Gordon Hayward is also good, but a bit boring. But still, uh, maybe we get another Terry Rozier game. He had 41 the other day. So, should be should be some big scores out of that one, hopefully. Yeah. All right. And my final game here is Raptors at Bucks on Friday the 19th. I just wanted to throw a Raptors game in here. I haven't, had, I haven't put a Raptors game on here in a while. I just thought, eh, why not? 
I'll be honest, I almost picked this game too because I felt like throwing a Raptors game in there. Oh, nice. I was, I was, searching, I was searching for Raptors games, but I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, right. On Friday, also, I've got uh, Nets at Lakers, you know, potential finals matchup coming up. Yeah. Two of the most star-studded teams in the league. Just classic. Need to say it. All right. Uh, so, yeah, so should be some really fun games. And there are a couple of them uh, on, like, national broadcast. I'm pretty sure Lakers at Nuggets is. Uh, is Nets-Lakers also national broadcast? Might be. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'd imagine. Potentially, yeah. All right, uh, let's get to our final segment with our over-under of the coming week. So, Dylan, your line last week was a bit rough. Um, uh, so, very rough. Yeah, your prediction was that the Rockets would hold their opponents this week to 99.6 points or less. Yeah, no. 119 yeah, for the Rockets. 130 for the Pelicans, <laughs> 101 for the Heat, and 121 for the Knicks. They didn't even hold their opponents to, like, 110 or 115. Uh, uh, tough. So, yeah. yeah, we'll just move on from that. I'll take the L for that. Uh, yep. um, but, yeah, what have you got, Ramiz? Uh So, yeah, we've seen Trey Young kind of have a bit of an up-and-down season so far in terms of free throws. So, I just wanted to, you know, give one here. Uh, for Trey Young. So Trey Young free throws attempted per game next week. So in the past games, uh, he attempted 11.3. Uh, the line is 10.3, and they're playing against the Pacers, Knicks, and the Celtics twice. Mm. A lot of good, you know, a lot good of defenses. defenses there. Yeah. yeah, the Pacers especially. Uh, a lot of disciplined defenders on the Pacers. The Celtics as well. Especially if they put Brown on him or something, which I don't think they will, but potentially. Um, I'll go the under for 10 at 3. So the past 10 games, he's been at 11.3. I'll go the yeah. under on 10.3. Yeah. I'm also taking the under on this one. I think, yeah, I, I think the Celtics will do enough to kind of keep him from like getting a lot of free throws. I, I feel like he will probably get a decent amount against the Pacers, and he's probably going to take like 17 or 18 against the Knicks, but I feel like the Celtics will be the deciding factor here and keep him under, just under, um, that line. So yeah, we're both taking the under here. Uh, I believe my current record is 2-3-1 and one, and yours is 3-2-1. and one. So nothing I will think change. That sounds right. So yeah. yeah, nothing will change next week since we're both taking the under, but yeah, uh, should be an interesting one to look out for. Hopefully more interesting than the past week's one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I did the math, uh, by the way. I think it was 117 points, um, roughly. Okay, so just a bit over, you know. <laughs> just a little bit alright uh, do you have anything else you want to say on anything we spoke about today no let's get out of here alright let's get out of here no outro bye <laughs> <laughs> right, what did that one end up being that ended up being just under two hours <laughs> I did not realise we went that long